What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Standing against intolerable acts. Mojo Five O. I have a dream. One day, this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. Behold these truths to be self-evident that all men. Black men thinking. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. Black men thinking. Anytime you throw your weight behind a political party that controls two-thirds of the government and that party can't keep the promise that it made to you during election time and you are dumb enough to walk around continuing to identify yourself with that party, you're not only a chump, but you're a traitor to your race. Black men thinking. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. Black men thinking. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Black men thinking. thinking, thinking. Stanley Levy, Black Man Thinking, here on the vanguard of personal freedom, personal liberty, and personal responsibility, Mojo 50 Radio. Also, WDDQ, Talk 92.1 FM in Valdosta, Georgia. WJHC, Talk 107.5 North Florida Talk Radio. Freedom in America Radio dot com and WLBB News Talk AM thirteen thirty and FM one oh six point three in Carrollton, Georgia. Let's get to work. Mexico has replaced the House of Representatives. What am I talking about? Some of you may remember back on the fifteenth of February this announcement by the President of the United States. So I'm gonna be signing a national emergency. And it's been signed many times before. It's been signed by other presidents. From 1977 or so, it gave the presidents the power. There's rarely been a problem. They sign it. Nobody cares. I guess they weren't very exciting. But nobody cares. They sign it for far less important things 
in some cases, in many cases. We're talking about an invasion of our country with drugs, with human traffickers, with all types of criminals and gangs. Mr. President, what do you say to those, including some of your Republican allies, who say that you are violating the Constitution with this move and setting a bad precedent that will be abused by possibly Democratic presidents in the future? Marco Rubio. Well, not too many people, yeah. Not too many people have said that. Uh, But the courts will determine that. Look, I expect to be sued. I shouldn't be sued. Very rarely do you get sued when you do national emergency. And then other people say, oh, if you use it for this, now what are we using it for? We've got to get rid of drugs and gangs and people. It's an invasion. We have an invasion of drugs and criminals coming into our country that we stop, but it's very hard to stop. With a wall, it would be very easy. So I think that we will be very successful in court. I think it's clear. And the people that say we create precedent, well, what do you have, 56 or a lot of times, well, that's creating precedent. And many of those are far less important than having a border. You don't have a border, you don't have a country. You know, we fight before I got here. We fight all over the world to create borders for countries. But we don't create a border for our own country. So I think what will happen is sadly we'll be sued and sadly uh, it'll go through a process and happily we'll win, I think. Well, you can see that you were unable to make the deal that you had promised in the past and that the deal you're ending up with now from Congress is less than what you could have had before a 35-day shutdown. I went through Congress. I made a deal. I got almost $1.4 billion when I wasn't supposed to get $1. Not $1. He's not going to get $1. Well, I got $1.4 billion, but I'm not happy with it. I also got billions and billions of dollars for other things, port of entries, lots of different things, the purchase of drug equipment, more than we were even requesting. In fact, the primary fight was on the wall. Everything else we have so much, as I said, I don't know what to do with it. We have so much money. But on the wall, they skimped. So I did, I was successful in that sense, um, but I want to do it faster. I could do the wall over a longer period of time. I didn't need to do this, but I'd rather do it much faster. And I don't have to do it for the election. I've already done a lot of wall for the election, 2020. And the only reason we're up here talking about this is because of the election. Because they want to try and win an election, which it looks like they're not going to be able to do. And this is one of the ways they think they can possibly win is by obstruction. Let's take that in kind of reverse order. The only reason the Democrats are fighting on the wall is because of the election, the election they lost in 2016, the one that they don't really, at this point, have a legitimate or reasonable path toward winning in 2020. And if Donald Trump can actually get a wall built along the border of Mexico, and as I said, a lot of it's already been built, then they most certainly lessen their chances for victory. Let's also go back to what he said. Notice how they're gaming him. They're trying to game him. He asked for $5 billion, they gave him $1.4 billion, but they publicly said he, they weren't going to give him anything. So the idea is we give him a little bit of something, and if we promise him nothing, he'll say, he won't say anything, and he will cede us the political point that we did not give him what he wanted for the wall. And Donald Trump chose not to play that game. The other one was he talked about the precedent for presidents to declare national emergency. National emergencies have been declared by presidents since the 19-teens. Woodrow Wilson declared 
national emergencies. The difference between what Woodrow Wilson did and what was done up until 1977 was the Congress could, the Congress had no recourse when the executive exercised that power. They could simply say, you know what, I don't like what you did, I'm going to do something different, and all Congress could do was uh, nothing. 1976, they passed a law that gave Congress the opportunity to try to talk the president out of it, and they weren't able to do that. They could vote on a resolution to rescind the national emergency. Of course, the executive didn't give up all of its its power. It said, fine, I have to sign it. So if he he doesn't sign it, then you need a veto-proof majority because you have to override his veto. That's what's been in place since 1977. So Donald Trump knows what's going on. You guys are trying to you guys are trying to relitigate 2016 and try to give yourself an issue for 2020. And it's all about the wall. You want to fund it, you just don't want it. Okay. So Nancy Pelosi the day before came out and called what the president was declaring illusory. The president just said that he will declare a national emergency when he signs this bill. Do you still plan to file a legal challenge if and when he does that? And how quickly would you Did I say I was filing a legal challenge? You said Democrats I may. That's an option. And we'll review our options. But it's important to note that when the president declares this emergency, first of all, it's not an emergency. What's happening at the border? It's a humanitarian challenge to us. The president... It has tried to sell a bill of goods to me. But putting that aside, just in terms of uh, the president making an end run around Congress, here he said, let us respect what the committee will do and then walks away from it. We will review our options. We'll be prepared to respond appropriately to it. I know the Republicans have some unease about it, no matter what they say, uh, because if the president can declare an emergency on something that he has created as an emergency, an illusion that he wants to convey, just think of what a president with different values can present to the American people. You want to talk about a national emergency? Let's talk about today, the one-year anniversary of another manifestation of the epidemic of gun violence in America. That's a national emergency. Why don't you declare that emergency, Mr. President? I wish you would. So national emergency. Hmm. Nancy Pelosi believes that Donald Trump is creating or this illusion of a national emergency, and then she turns around to the illusion of an epidemic of gun violence. You do realize that there that cars kill more people than guns. Hammers sometimes kill more people than guns. A whole lot of things kill more people than guns, but only guns represent the people's right to repel or resist the government. And most of the gun deaths in this country are suicides. What about the mass shootings? What about them? They're terrible, yes. They also don't kill that many people, and they haven't killed that many people. They didn't even start to kill that many people until Barack Obama was president. And therefore, you would punish every... Never mind, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. So, on the 22nd of February, a week after Donald Trump declared the emergency, four Democrats from the House went down to San Ysidro and decided to see for themselves whether or not there was any type of crisis or emergency at the border. 
And four congressmen, including the majority leader, toured the San Ysidro port of entry this afternoon. It's the busiest land port of entry in the Western Hemisphere, and they wanted to see what's working and what's not. And that's where we find 10 News reporter Rena Nicano. Rena, the Democratic lawmakers still maintain there's no crisis at the border. Actually, they told me that the president's national declaration of emergency is a manufactured political move. In fact, they told me that San Ysidro here is getting a lot of things right. Four congressmen, including House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer of Maryland, addressing the press after an all-access tour of the San Ysidro land port of entry. There is no crisis at the border. A contradiction to the president's reasoning to build a southern border wall. It's been almost one month since Homeland Security began implementing the new Migrant Protection Protocols, or MPP, which states that caravan migrants entering the U.S. without papers or those claiming asylum must wait in Mexico for the duration of their immigration proceedings, a policy Congressman Juan Vargas strongly rejects. And to be sent back to a place like Tijuana where they don't have family, they don't have friends, I think it's the wrong thing to do. It's not our American values. Previous to MPP, migrants were released into the U.S. after their initial process under the assumption they would return to U.S. immigration court at a later time to receive their final status. But DHS says too many of them skip court and disappear into the U.S. as fugitives. Majority Leader Hoyer using the president's coined slogan to refute that claim. That's fake news. 97% of people show up. Uh, that's, a better, that's a better percentage than show up uh, uh, who are on parole in the United States of America for crimes. After touring the facility, these Democrats agreed. Solving the immigration issue is not as simple as building a wall. Overcrowding the port with seemingly endless asylum seekers isn't the answer either. They were all impressed by the work being done here, and they hope all other ports implement the high-tech protocols conducted at San Ysidro. We need to invest in the technology of the future, just as we've done here at San Ysidro at all 330 ports of entry. Yeah, and the Democrats added that getting federal funding for things like capital investments, technology, and also training for personnel at ports like San Ysidro would serve a much better purpose than a physical wall at our southern border. Reporting live tonight, it's San Ysidro. I'm Rita Nakano. Rita, thank you. So the Democrats go out on a field trip so they can draw press and say that the president is lying. There's no real problem here, and you can't talk about people going into the country. They Look at all these people. Ninety-something percent of them show up for their hearings. That's correct. But do you, did you realize that only 28% of asylum cases are approved? Those applications are seven, more than 70% of the time turned down. But 100% of the people are released into the country. You don't see the problem with that, huh? Okay. Nevertheless, you had that going on, and then you had what happened on the 30th of May. Now to an exclusive NBC News report. U.S. Border Patrol agents apprehended a group of more than 1,000 migrants who illegally crossed the southern border near El Paso, Texas. It's believed to be the largest single group intercepted by the Border Patrol. NBC News' Julia Ainsley has the exclusive details. Julia, what can you tell us about what's going on? 
Well, you're right, Jeff. This is the largest group that Border Patrol has encountered, and the last record was over 400 set last month. They are seeing larger groups coming. It's part of a trend. Immigration advocates say that these immigrants feel safety in numbers. They want to come in a large group because of how dangerous it can be to cross through these areas. More immigrants are coming in illegally. Some of the advocates say that's because it is harder to come in legally. It's taking longer to get in when you want to claim asylum at legal ports of entry. But what this means from a safety and humanitarian perspective is sometimes Border Patrol is not able to safely attend to these large groups. They don't have the medical personnel. Often these people are only patrolling the border in pairs. So you have two border agents encountering a group of over 1,000 in this case. And we know the majority of them, over 900, traveled as part of a family. That means if you encounter a mother and child, those would count as two family units. That's the way they count this. So we're seeing more families, again, part of a growing trend, as families come here to claim a asylum, fling violence and poverty in the Northern Triangle countries of Central America. Hey, Julia, the president mentioned a big immigration announcement coming today when he left the White House this morning. Do we know whether this is the announcement that he was talking about? I'm told, Jeff, from a well-placed source, that this will be a large thrust of that announcement, that the president wants to show that there's a crisis at the border to try to paint the picture of an invasion and that this piece of information is something that he's been holding in order to make this a very dramatic rollout tomorrow. But, you know, if that's the case, it's important to keep in mind that these are not people who come in armed or dangerous. Nothing in our uh, information or their documents that we've seen indicate that they posed any kind of threat to the border agents, but just that their sheer numbers do present problems not only just for border agents, but for themselves and that they can be safely attended to. But yes, I think we should keep our ears out for the same number, 1,036, tomorrow when the president speaks. NBC's Julia Ainsley with that exclusive reporting. Julia, thank you. Well, if there's no crisis, if there's no humanitarian, no security, this, that, and the other crisis, what do you call a thousand people coming across the border where there might be only two Border Patrol agents. Does that sound like a secure border? Does that sound like a a, mani- a well-managed humanitarian situation? It doesn't to me. Now, Donald Trump had gotten his fill of dealing with Congress on this. Congress, particularly the Democrats, were not interested in protecting the American people from illegal immigration. So Donald Trump took another path, which is exactly what you expect high-level executives to do, not high-level politicians, but you expect high-level executives to do. If I can't work with you, let me find somebody I can work with. And Donald Trump went after Mexico. There is now a statement from the White House. In fact, it's a statement from the president himself, a paper statement, uh, that says he's going to impose new tariffs on all goods coming in from Mexico. He says they'll increase until the illegal immigration problem is resolved. And so, first of all, your thoughts on this. How is this going to affect this USMCA trade deal? And what are your thoughts about the use of tariffs here as this kind of retaliatory measure to try to force something to get done on immigration? Three quick points. First and foremost, USMCA or NAFTA 2.0 is by no means a done deal. Democrats are divided on this in the House of Representatives as to whether or not it can be ratified. Vice President Mike Pence was in Ottawa uh, earlier on Thursday meeting with Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, and he all but guaranteed that USMCA would be ratified, but again, the politics in the House of Representatives are very divided. Secondly, the president's going to run into the business community here, in particular, a key constituency of his manufacturers. They do not like tariffs, particularly tariffs uh, impacting
leaving Mexico. I mean, that, that, that trade, like hundreds of thousands, um, of hundreds of millions of dollars worth daily crossing the U.S.-Mexico border, it really directly impacts manufacturers. And thirdly, this is really the most aggressive step that we've seen coming from this White House uh, in tying tariffs with immigration. Uh, and as you mentioned, this definitely impacts the USMCA forecast, uh, which is something that the president would like to get ratified heading into 2020, but as of now is incredibly, incredibly uncertain future. So what was Mexico's response to being put on the spot with either fix this problem or you're going to get tariffs, you're going to get an economic impact? Well, ABC News reported on, I believe it was the 11th, looking at the article, the 9th, the 9th of July, migrant immigration, migrant crossings at U.S. border plummet as Mexico, not the United States, Mexico cracks down. The number of undocumented migrants being stopped at the U.S.-Mexico border has dropped dramatically in just weeks, remaining at high levels, but also representing the first decline in several months. The drop follows an agreement by the Mexican government with President Trump to deploy its own security forces to crack down on asylum seekers. What was that result? A 28% drop. From May until now, May, the month where you saw those people crossing the border. Wow. Oh, by the way, they're actually sending, they actually are stationing their their national uh, guard troops on their southern border with Guatemala, and they are inspecting buses, trains, other forms of conveyances, even going into hotels to find people who are undocumented and they are deporting them out of Mexico before they can sniff the U.S. border. So Mexico is putting time, money, and effort in supporting U.S. immigration law. Time in in renegotiating NAFTA, that will reduce migrant incentives. Money, they're posting their own military to check folks entering Mexico. An effort raiding Mexican hotels, buses, trains, using cops and troops to keep migrants from getting north. And Mexico is dropping all that coin and making these entries, the number of entries, fall off a cliff even though they're still high. So imagine what would happen if the U.S. Congress, the uh, elected American Democrats, did as much to cooperate with the American president as Mexico has. I wonder how many fewer illegal entries there would be. Maybe. Now, or perhaps they may have stopped the border emergency that they deny there's no emergency that from becoming the crisis that they now acknowledge. This is see, this is fascinating to me. Um, Mediate comes up with a CNN poll, their latest poll, the percent of Democrats who say there's a crisis at the border is up 47 points since January. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a crisis in January. It's a crisis now, but in February, the Democrats were still in denial. Now they're on board, really? Maybe if you cooperate with the president, we wouldn't have this problem. But back to the Mexico angle. How are Mexico's actions and efforts, which indeed are reducing illegal immigration, which is the same thing a wall would do, 
How is what they're doing anything other than a variation on the theme, Mexico will pay for the wall? Whether they cut a check for construction or they appropriate Mexican funds to have their law enforcement and military keep folks from crossing our border, if Mexico is spending money and that results in fewer illegal entries into the United States. Somebody's paying for that drop. And whether it's a wall or whether it's people interdicting, as long as it's Mexico's money and there's a reduction, they're paying. I'm sorry, they're paying. And as a result, Mexico has replaced the House of Representatives because they're doing the House's job. The, the House of Representatives is supposed to be deploying, uh, appropriating money in a way that ensures the integrity of the U.S. border. They won't do that. They refuse to do that. And where, and where they have failed to act, Mexico has stepped in and shown how a little bit of effort can make a significant difference. It doesn't take that much, guys. But you have to remember, for the Democrats, they're spending money on everything but this. That's what the president said at the outset. Why? Because they want an issue at the election. Here's the problem. The issue creates more angel moms in this country, mothers and fathers of, of people who were killed by criminal illegal immigrants. Why? Because you keep letting these people in, which includes the gang members, which includes the, the human traffickers, which includes the drug merchants. You're not checking any of it, but now Mexico is. At this point, I'm a much bigger fan of the Mexican government than I am of House Democrats when it comes to maintaining U.S. sovereignty. Stanley Levy, Black Man Thinking, will be back right after this. Hi, it's Doc Thompson for Matthew 25 Ministries. Matthew 25 Ministries is one of the few charities I'll actually endorse because I know them. I've worked with them, and I know almost all of the money that you donate goes to help people. Go to m25m.org, m25m.org. Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your Dish-authorized retailer now. 800-570-6630. 800-570-6630. That's 800-570-6630. Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and e-auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. The Bells of Liberty. Three sassy conservatarian ladies talking politics. We know that all you want to do is take guns away from people. Don't be, don't be dishonest. Pop culture. Valkyrie, she's yes. got a flying horse. She doesn't need Karen and the Karenettes, okay? And everything in between. So basically, it's just people, schmucks like us, sitting around <laughs> a room like, you know what we could do? 
We can basically put up sunglasses around the earth. <laughs> and that will stop climate change. Join Rocky, Gina, and me Saturdays at 2 p.m. Eastern for the all That's what she said. All right, ladies, let's wrap this up. I got to go work in the morning. Okay, we got to do it again because Sammy cut out. What the? (laughs) (laughs) Having an extra supply of food on hand is just smart. Some people call it prepping. I call it smart. You never know what's going to happen in this world. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. You'll find out a lot of good reasons to have that food and some great prices. MyPatriotSupply.com. Black man thinking. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. Black men thinking. Anytime you throw your weight behind a political party that controls two-thirds of the government and that party can't keep the promise that it made to you during election time and you are dumb enough to walk around continuing to identify yourself with that party, you're not only a chump, but you're a traitor to your race. Black men thinking. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. Black men thinking. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Black men thinking. Thinking. Stanley Levy, Black Man Thinking, here on the vanguard of personal freedom, personal liberty, and personal responsibility, Mojo 50 Radio. Also, WDDQ Talk 92.1 FM in Valdosta, Georgia. WJHC Talk 107.5 North Florida Talk Radio, Freedom in America Radio.com, and WLBB News Talk AM 1330 and FM 106.3 in Carrollton, Georgia. I think it's about time that we make a habit of saying it out loud that Democrats are the anti Americans. And I know how people want to see and I'm 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 at my end of patience. I'm I'll be honest, I'm at the end of my patience with people who who keep trying to say that everyone who has American citizenship is actually interested in the well-being of America. We give out in we give out citizenship too easily. To be honest, the immigrants who come through the legal process and are naturalized in many ways are better, better educated, more fiercely loyal citizens who have a higher allegiance to the United States, to its constitution, and simply have a greater knowledge of the history of the country 
and what it even stands for. Democrats, on the other hand, normally don't fall into that category. They don't know the history of the United States. They know a revisionist history of the United States. Democrats tend to ignore the fact that they are the party of slavery. They tend to ignore the fact that even then, back in the 1960s when civil rights was going on, we know why Lyndon Baines Johnson wanted the civil rights legislation. Because we know that he was a racist from the time he entered Congress and then all of a sudden he becomes this magnanimous individual as president? No. He said he knew how to make sure he had those Negroes, and he didn't use that word Negroes necessarily, to keep them voting Democratic for 200 years. We got to give them a little something. I believe his words, as quoted by a, I don't want to say it's a biographer, but a, definitely a writer on what happened during his administration, this was award Air Force One given, uh, spoken to two governors, You know, these Negroes, they're getting uppity. And that's a problem for us because they have something now that they didn't have before to go with their uppityness, and that's political power. We've got to do something about this. we got to give them a little something, enough to make them quiet, but not enough to make a difference. People keep forgetting that the civil rights movement did its greatest amount of change on the social fabric of the United States when when black people in the deep south didn't have didn't really have unrestricted voting rights nobody cast a vote with regard to the Montgomery bus boycott nobody went in and said you know we're going to go in here and just mount us a political campaign, get something on the ballot, and then vote for it, and and then we're going to change these laws about where you can sit on the bus. didn't work that way. But you had that action, and you had other actions. And now we have forgotten what, what the power came from. The power didn't come from the vote. The power came from moral suasion and moral force of will. We knew, as black people at that time, We knew that our cause was right, and we were going to stand for that purpose and stand on those principles no matter what happened. But I digress. Now we allowed Lyndon Baines Johnson to throw a program at us that was supposed to keep us voting Democrat for the next 200 years. We're only 50 50 or so years into it. And based on the uh, voting patterns of black Americans, he's right on track, particularly with black females. They may not ever vote for anything other than a Democrat. It's their choice. It's their right but they're hurting themselves. When I say that the Democrats are anti-American, especially today, let's remember who they ran for president in 2016. This is a woman who had to steal and cheat and misdirect in order to get the nomination so that she would not lose to someone else who was not even a Democrat. She was about to lose the Democrat Party 
nomination for president to a man old as the hills who was not even a Democrat to a socialist, an admitted socialist, by the way. They were going to nominate someone who had called and, and for all we know, still considered at least certain blacks super predators who needed to be brought to heel. It was her husband who signed and during her campaign defended the signing of the 1994 crime bill. Now, full disclosure, I never had a problem with the crime bill. Let me tell you why. Because the people that it went after were committing crimes against black people. The people that it sought to punish committed 90% of their crimes and more against black people. Of course, I have no problem with them getting thrown under the jail. Well, what about white folks? You know what? What folks are doing to people who are not in my community, I really don't give a rat's behind about that. I don't. And I'm still trying to get back to talking about the problem with Democrats today. Well, let's do it this way. seems with every opportunity we have with the current Congress, who I will go to my grave based on what I was I was able to research and read. Their House majority is illegitimate. There was more voter and election fraud going on in 2018 than you can shake a stick at. Florida, in um, Broward County alone, the good witch doctor um, Brenda Snipes, she was just prolific in her ability to manufacture votes after the polls had closed. But they have this majority now. Illegitimate as it may be, it's still a majority. But they use that majority not to further any American interests, but they would rather compromise U.S. sovereignty. They would abandon traditional U.S. protection protocols that go through the legislative branch of government. They would reinterpret the Constitution and just generally throw the American people under the bus. They don't have any problem with that at all. And the interesting thing is they did all this this time in one bill that was supposed to fund the military. Uh, Representative Dan Crenshaw, a combat veteran turned congressman, went to explain a recent piece of legislation, the National Defense Authorization Act, that is annual legislation that funds the U.S. military. And he wanted to talk about this year's version, and he gives a very good explanation of what it is for 2019 and why at least certain elements of it should be opposed. Hello, and welcome to the next Here's the Truth video. This one is going to be on the NDAA, that is the National Defense Authorization Act. So I should probably first explain what exactly that is. 
That is an enormous piece of legislation. It gets passed every single year. It is the piece of legislation that actually authorizes the Department of Defense. It's what authorizes our military. It tells the military what it can and can't do. Um, it's actually usually pretty bipartisan. A lot of legislators like working on it because they know that it's something that will get passed and will get worked on in a bipartisan fashion. But unfortunately, like a lot of things in 2019, that's not happening this year. And I'm going to explain why and what's in this um, that Republicans have a lot of problems with. There's four sections in particular that are highly politicized. They're all about, you guessed it, the border. Okay, so I'm going to explain really briefly uh, what each of those four sections are. The first one is, is an attempt to, to prevent the president from reprogramming some money for military construction and using it to build a border wall. The problem here is that in doing so, there are second and third order effects. When I talk to military leaders about this, uh, they're very concerned about this because it's not specific. It's actually very overarching. So if you do this, if you do what the Democrats are saying, the military now can't reprogram any money for military reconstruction. This will affect future administrations as well, and it severely inhibits our military leaders from actually uh, flexibly moving money around the way they need to and the way they're highly accustomed to. This is a very normal practice. The second thing it does is it requires the Secretary of Defense to provide 30 days notice anytime they want to use U.S. troops at the southern border. This is totally arbitrary, and uh, it prevents any kind of timely response to emergencies that might occur at our southern border. I don't think Americans uh, should be in favor of this at all. The other interesting uh, section we have here is that it actually prohibits the use of the Department of Defense to construct, replace, or modify any wall or physical barrier. That's slightly different than the first thing I mentioned. This one is interesting because this particular issue, this was actually signed into law by President Obama, where in 2016 they authorized the Secretary of Defense to support the construction of roads and fences and installation of lighting to block drug smuggling corridors across international boundaries. Remember, this was just under the Obama administration. And why would they do this? Well, because it makes sense. It makes sense for the Department of Defense to support DHS in these missions, especially when it comes to counter drug operations. Now, the NDAA would prohibit this. That's not good policy. The last thing that this does, which we don't like, is it, it makes it very difficult for the Department of Defense to actually uh, support DHS with personnel. You, they would have to go through an extensive amount of uh, notification processes just to provide DHS or our Border Patrol with, with personnel like linguists, uh, intelligence analysts, transportation of personnel, supplies, equipment. Really just basic stuff. And again, this is a practice that has been ongoing for a long time. Our government works together. The DOD works together with the DEA, works together with DHS and CBP. I'm sorry, that's a lot of acronyms. But that's what they do. It's a whole-of-government approach to defense. Remember, this is the Department of Defense in the end. And oftentimes, we do need to defend against threats even at our southern border. It's not just immigration that we're talking about. Those are all wildly I think, problematic provisions within the NDAA, and they're highly politicized and unnecessary. But that's not all. The last reason that we're concerned about this NDAA is because of what it does, or more importantly, what it doesn't do for our nuclear, our nuclear capabilities. Our nuclear capabilities have been aging for a very, very long time. Our triad has been aging for a long time. Um, the triad means three things. Ground-based systems, uh, missiles that are able to be launched from missile silos within the United States, our water-based systems, which means submarines, and our air-based systems, which means uh, the future will mean B-21 bombers. 
You need to modernize all of these things. Why? Well, we're transitioning from a period where we've been really focused on terrorist organizations, non-state actors. We're transitioning back to a, a world where we have near-peer competitors, Russia and China specifically. We have to modernize our own capabilities. We can't limit our research and development into this because China and Russia are definitely doing so. And it's not just nuclear. It's hypersonic. It's 5G networks so that, so that we can get the right technology and research and development done so that we can actually push out Chinese companies like Huawei, which are a threat to our national security. That's why we're against this particular NDAA. Now, the Senate has passed a good NDAA. We're voting against this today so that when it goes to conference, when those bills from the House and the Senate go to conference, well, there's a message sent there that we need to fix these provisions. And I think they will get fixed. I'm hopeful that they will. And I'm going to continue to be hopeful that, that pieces of legislation that are usually bipartisan will hopefully get back to being bipartisan. That's today's Here's the Truth. Again, that was Representative Dan Crenshaw, a Republican of Texas, uh, explaining the 2019 National Defense Authorization Act and the problems or the challenges that he saw with it and that Republicans saw with it. Let me just go ahead and recap some of that. No reprogramming by the military. I was in military acquisition, and that's kind of what happened every year. Congress would make a vote. Uh, we'd go through the year. Certain things would happen. Some programs would do well. Others would stall. Um, the, you would want to move different uh, amounts of money from one pile to another, particularly in R&D, because R&D was very volatile as far as what success you would have and what you would not. Uh, sometimes you would have to do the same thing with military construction. You need to move money around. And now this is basically telling military uh, personnel, military leaders, no, you can't change the money around. Okay. A 30-day notice before deploying troops? So if Americans are under attack someplace and we want to send troops in, we have to um, tell Congress 30 days before we send them in, even if the attack is ongoing. 30-day notice. Think about that. It's ridiculous. Then they actually, to let you know what they're really about, they go against things they voted for under the Obama administration that had the military able to support DHS with respect to construction activities that would that would um, disrupt um, drug the movement of drugs into the country, that would provide other support to DHS, uh, linguists, uh, non you know definitely not military support, but just personnel that would help. All this, of course, was in defense of the nation. And they even voted that down. See, this is what I mean. Their idea of going after Trump is not just going after Trump. They are out to, in this case, wipe out certain parts of the Constitution. It's just strange. Until you finally get your head around the fact that Democrats aren't looking for a better America. They're simply looking for another America. They don't want America, an America with the Constitution we have. They want a modified First Amendment in the Constitution, one that says that 
God has no place in the public square, kind of like we have in France, where they threw God out at the pretty much the beginning of the 20th century. They've had their butt invaded two times since, and they're undergoing a slow-motion invasion right now with Muslims taking over the country and wreaking havoc on them. They don't want that. They want to weaken what we can have done at the border. You, We talked about that in the last segment where Mexico is basically doing their job for them. So they want to compromise U.S. sovereignty on both sides of the border. They they don't want to do they they don't want to do their job, and they want to keep the military from doing from from make, taking up any of the slack from they're not doing their job. The f- only thing we have going for us is they cannot dictate to Mexico what Mexico does with its own money, and they are choosing to take actions which support U.S. immigration law and sovereignty. Now. You'll notice that the House and the New York Times actually wrote a wrote an article on this, and I use that not because I I trust the New York Times, I do not, but even they put it out how bad this was. They wrote the House gave final approval on Friday to a defense bill that would put a liberal stamp on military policy by shackling President Trump's ability to wage war in Iran. He doesn't want to wage war in Iran. He wants Iran to know that he can wage war so that they do not continue their foolishness in the Straits of Hermes. You want to shackle him from doing that? So what are you going to do to Iran? Nothing? Well, that's what they have done. Because the Democrat um, policy toward Iran is to negotiate with pallets of cash. Just drop pallets of money on them, and hopefully they'll do something akin to what you would like. Doesn't work. Never has, never will work. A $733 billion National Defense Authorization Act passed along stark party lines, 220 to 197, with with no republic no Republicans voting for the re- the legislation and this is unusual as the as the congressman pointed out traditionally you get everybody gets together this is the one of the things that you can get done w- across party lines during a year no not anymore not with this house not with this Nancy not with this Nancy Pelosi uh, led house not with uh Ilan Omar not with uh Alexandria Cote, uh excuse me or Ocasio Cortez not with Presley of Massachusetts no you can't do that with these witches the only thing that's keeping this is they know that it's not getting past the senate and they know it's not going to make it past the president they know this but they're also willing to hold the military hostage and therefore hold national defense hostage as they try to basically strip the executive branch of its power by lessening the executive's control of the military. Remember, the executive branch is the one that commands the military. Have we, I, I, hope, I hope no one's forgotten that. I really do. So... 
what they're doing is instead of seeking bipartisan cooperation to equip the military and fund policies to let whatever adversaries we have know they will be held to account, they want to see national defense through a wholly progressive lens. The problem is progressivism has not, does not, nor could it ever defend the American people or their homeland. Now, they also seek to legislate. You see what they did is though the U.S. Constitution's Article 1, or excuse me, Article 2, has been magically expunged. You know, there's no presidential power. There's only our power. We have the power of the purse. That's the only power that is. They actually think that they've been given the power, or when I act as though they've been given the power that the founders gave to the executive branch. And with these actions, Democrats seek to leave the American people unable, unable to defend their land from unarmed invasion, which is what's happening at the southern border, to deprive them of the leadership of their duly elected officials, in this case the president. Because once, if they ever got this passed in its current form, the precedent's been set. Article 2 doesn't mean anything because we've trumped it with our ability to control the money. And I used the word Trump uh, inappropriately, but. And now the other thing they want to do is try to, you know, basically ham-handedly revise the document, the Constitution that's responsible for maintaining the world's most successful republic for nearly two and a half centuries, all to pursue their ideology and dogmas that have failed every time they've been tried, everywhere they've been tried, and by everyone who's been tr- who's tried them. And what they want you to believe is that we're just doing this because Trump's so bad. That's uh, no. Donald Trump became president by promising the American people that he would do for them what they had asked to have done for decades, only to be ignored. But that was his first offense. His second and worst offense was the work to keep those promises, which included delivering more employment opportunities and a more vibrant economy for America and its workforce. Two, protecting Americans from illegal immigration. And three, removing America from wars that she need not fight. We're out of the wars. We're not hearing as much about the wars because Donald Trump is is not Barack Obama. Donald Trump is not droning people all over the place and then trying to defend the use of illegal drone attacks on foreign soil. Those items, the economy and jobs, illegal immigration, and getting out of endless wars, those have been items on the American people's agenda since at least the 2004 election. And now the American people have somebody who's trying to do something about what they want. But Democrats don't like Americans because we're too given to self-governance, to solving our own problems, to creating opportunities that governments can neither anticipate nor control. And control of the American people, of you, not Donald Trump, but of you, is what the Democrats want. Because there is no Trump resistance. They're trying to resist your will. Now, Maya Angelou said 
when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. My question to all of you is this. How many more times need Democrats and progressives show you who and what they are before you believe them and at least politically destroy them? I'm going to turn this over to my good friend Ron Edwards, and after that we'll be back with Hour 2 of Black Man Thinking. The collective nervous breakdown of the American left began experiencing election night 2016 remains untreated and continues to worsen. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, leftist Democrats and journalists collectively only support policies that put America at a disadvantage. I have never, ever heard or read about leftists giving a hoot about Americans murdered, raped, or robbed by illegal border crossers. But they howl to the heavens when U.S. border agents separate children from adults at the border in order to process them, quite often adults claiming to be bringing their children into our nation are using children they rented in order to fool U.S. customs officials. And for other purposes. Recently, a New York Times guest columnist advocated for doxing, exposing the names and addresses of Border Patrol agents because she, like Democrats, want the United States to be overrun by illegals and collapse economically in order to fundamentally transform our republic into a broken-down, ineffective, mob-rule democracy. My fellow Americans, the United States is worth fighting for, and with providential guidance, victory is ours. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me live Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, on AmericanMatters.us. This is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five O. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 